You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 157. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Clark. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You've reached another Local Maximum. How you doing? Very excited to uh, start off the show today. This is going to be an exciting show. Hey, Aaron. Hey. How you doing? Uh, I'm I'm doing okay. It's been a weird week, but uh, good good to be talking with you again. See, see, have you ever heard of something called the Strauss-Howe generational theory? I I, I have. Uh, I think we may have discussed it uh, in in one of our, our pre-show bits briefly, and uh, I've I've heard it as kind of the counter to the the great man theory of history that there are there. Are trends that that pay heed to no man and that are out of the control of the individual wait wait well you're confusing me here <laughs> <laughs> no no i i see what you're saying right so this I, the, all a lot of these theories of history i find them absolutely fascinating but also as a um as an inference guy as a science you know as a as a as a as a um scientific minded person i always I always find a little bit of skepticism uh, within me of, of all of these theories, but it is sort of a theory of how how uh, uh, historical trends might work. Or I guess they're not historical trends, just ongoing trends might work over the course of, say, like hundreds of years or generations. And this one is a very interesting one uh, because it predicts that um, there's, first of all, it predicts like a giant kind of revolutionary period every 80 years, every lifetime, essentially. And we're in the midst of one right now. Um, and, uh, you know, if you think about it, we had here here in the U.S. and here in the West, we had uh, 80 years ago, we had the Great Depression and World War II. Remember that? I mean, I know we don't remember that, but <laughs> we probably know someone who remembers I, that. I've heard of it, yes. Yeah. And then 80 years before that, there was uh, the Civil War, uh, and I believe a bunch of a bunch of stuff went down in Europe as well. And then 80 years before that, you had the American Revolution. And 80 years before that, it doesn't really fit that well in uh, 1700. But if you go back to 1690, there were actually revolts all throughout the colonies. And, you know, uh, governors were replaced. And in England, they had their glorious revolution and whatever. So, okay. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people hear that and they're like, boom, I'm sold. This sounds amazing. <laughs> but, but the problem is, uh, you know, there are also a lot of events that could be thought of as, you know, big, what they call fourth turning events. In other words, they have like four generations between each one and each one is called a turning. So, um, you know, it's like, well, where does World War One fit in? Uh, you know, where, where do other big changes fit in? And so it could just be. A coincidence of history. Yeah, so there's, there's certainly a danger of kind of uh, confirmation bias that once you once you're aware of the pattern, you can find things that fit it, and it's very easy to ignore the things that uh, maybe don't so much fit it, and, and emphasize yeah. those that do. Yeah. So, so the reason why I want to bring it up today is just because. Well, first of all, you know, they came out with this in I think it was you know at least 15 years ago. It might have been like the early 2000s. So. Um, and right. This, it, this was the original. I, I assume it was Strauss and Howe. Uh, yeah. Were the researchers. Yeah. So I, you know, it it is a point for them that the like you know instability we're experiencing now is, um, you know, is stuff that they predicted you know before it happened. But it's I don't count. I count that as data that supports the theory, but not by no means overwhelming uh, data. But it certainly is interesting because I I read about this before then, and so. If their timeline is to be believed, if we say 40 years from 1945, then, you know, we reach this grand finale in 2025, which is, um, oh, isn't this fun? We're going to have five more years of this, uh, whatever this is. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and it raises the question, so, so where, does, where does something like 9-11 and the global war on terror fit into this cycle? Does, does, that, does that fit the, the sequence of events, or do we have to consider that that's not really a, a, a turning yeah, that, event? No, that's that's a third turning event. That's ah. like an unraveling. So it's like, um, uh, uh, well, yeah, but th they would have the third turning bet be between, say, 1985 and 2005. So 
I, I, I'm not too familiar with exactly what that means, but, uh, you know, uh, that's sort of when... Uh, but, but they're saying we're in the midst the lead of the crisis it. here. Right, right. The, the, the 20 years before is sort of the lead up to the crisis, and I guess that 9-11 was, was a part of that. Um, and I guess the argument would be that if, the, if 9-11 happens now, it would be like the, um, uh, you know, it would be the event that sparked everything versus 9-11 in actuality sparked some things, but it didn't. I would argue it when 9-11 happened, people were like, oh, my God, our lives are changed forever uh, and our government has changed forever. Well, a little bit. But it wasn't like the uh, it wasn't the spark that brought the whole thing da- down to its knees uh, uh, by a, by a long shot, no, if that makes sense. Not not in one fell swoop, certainly. Uh, if if no. if it was, then it was it, it was the spark that that triggered a a long smoldering process of decades. Yeah, no, I, I actually don't think that nine eleven is um, is the cause of. Um, well, we're not even t- we haven't even gotten into what I'm talking about in terms of like <laughs> instability right now, which is really interesting. People could be thinking about a number of things. I'm going to talk. We're going to talk today about our monetary and financial system. That's fun. We're going to talk about Bitcoin. We're going to talk about GameStop. People could be talking about our, our political system and all that, um, and and or you know academia or there's there's so many things that could fit this mold, um, really. But uh, but yeah, I, I think that. Um, I, where was I going with this? It was just, uh, yeah. I, yeah what, I think what is what is the context was still, for our, our yeah. Strauss Howe generational theory discussion here? Right. I, I think we're going to have to have a few of them. Um, and so, so today I want to talk about uh, monetary theory. So, you know, personally, I, I actually think if this theory works, that like Eastern Europe seems to be one generation behind. I'm surprised they don't say this because it feels like they had the Russian Revolution during World War One, and their fourth turning kind of feels like the fall of communism which is actually a pretty good, I mean, it was chaos over there, but as far as fourth turning goes, it's, uh, that, that's not so bad. Yeah, well, and, so, and, and I, I jumped to that conclusion when you mentioned uh, the Civil War being one of our fourth turnings here in, in, in the West, because, uh, uh, what was it, the 18, was it 1848 was the big year of revolutions in right. Europe? Uh, so that's right, right, right. roughly a generation before that. Uh, yeah. Things get a little I mean, fuzzy. And, right, and right. I think there's so, an interesting discussion to be made about, you know, will, will we see these timelines accelerating as so many things have accelerated with the increased speed of communication and globalization or or generations or generations, whether they're, you know, pre uh, pre electricity or post Internet. Right. Because it's it's the people. It's yeah. the it's the people involved. But I, I that kind of makes me skeptical of the theory, because then if you could like if you could shove things around in them if it's 10 years before 10 years after who cares then you're kind of making the theory difficult to falsify well yeah um, a generation is a, a pretty pretty large window as as anyone who's tried to define what a millennial is right uh, yeah yeah exactly it's, it's very fuzzy yeah so um anyway i i saw i i listened to a podcast recently um, it was called Why Bitcoin Wins. Um, well, the, the podcast called Why Bitcoin Wins. Or sorry, the podcast is called What Bitcoin Did. The episode was called Why Bitcoin Wins. <laughs> this is Gary Who v did and, what now? And, yeah, by Gary V and, and Robert Breedlove. But the question that I found interesting is not why Bitcoin wins, but what does it look like if it does win? Because I can imagine, hey, you've got Bitcoin. It's the global standard or some other cryptocurrency or some digital currency or whatever. I, you know. You always have to caveat that. But the shocking changes that have to happen in between to get from here to there are hard to cope with in my mind. And I was hoping we could discuss that today. And that's sort of where I kind of fit that in with the fourth turning. Um, so uh, I just I just thought that um, I, I thought, hey, you know, generational theory maybe predicts this. So that's pretty cool. So so are, are we talking about the question of not just will will uh, you know, Bitcoin or, or digital currency or blockchain, crypto for, for, for more general <laughs> term there. That's what I was looking for. Uh, will, will that become, not, not so much will that become a standard, but uh, what, what kind of event leads to it? Is, is there going to be some sort of uh, total not collapse just what, or will it be a, a gradual, uh, you know, transition or? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, the, the predictions of currency collapse, I should point out, are nothing new. 
Uh, there's a book from 1980. I guess I'll link to it in the show notes page, The Coming Currency Collapse and What You Can Do About It. That was written 40 years ago. Um, I wasn't even born yet. Now, I, I assume that and, was written about, about the dollar because uh, there are yes. definitely currencies that have collapsed, but yes. uh, not, not the dollar, at least not in, in as obvious a way as that would imply. It was written in wake of the uh, inflation of the late 70s. Ah. So, yeah, I guess they thought that it was uh, coming faster. But if you, read the, uh, if you read the reviews on Amazon, a lot of people are like, you know, there's very few people who are like, oh, this is, uh, this is a bunch of crap. There are actually a lot of people who are saying, <laughs> oh, it's, it's actually, it's just delayed. It's still going to happen. It's inevitable, which is interesting. It's an interesting kind of human psychology thing where there are kind of these permanent uh, sky is falling type people in terms of the currency. And so I don't want to be one of those. Um, so it, it, it is important to point out that, uh, yeah, the, uh, these predictions are not new. And so I don't know if the, cur- first of all, does the currency have to collapse? Does the dollar have to collapse for us to have a Bitcoin standard? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it could very easily be playing on the same, uh, the same impulses that make us susceptible to things like, like doomsday cults, uh, right. that, that there's something very appealing about, uh, the, both the prospect and the explanation for how we're going to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's like, uh, it's, it's, you know, if the U S government decided to go back on the gold standard, um, which, uh, is not easy to do. Although I think, uh, you know, Alexander Hamilton might've been the last person to do it, uh, <laughs> to bring country back in the gold standard. That doesn't mean the currency collapses, right? So if you had a Bitcoin standard or even a hybrid Bitcoin gold standard, it doesn't mean the currency collapses or, you know, so I don't know. But, but uh, you would expect there's going to be some shocks in that transition. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, and, and something's got to shock the system into doing it. Like they're not going to do this, uh, you know, just because someone asks nicely, right? Yeah, uh, I, know, politicians. It, it don't seems want... unlikely that they would put that the the genie of of what is it, fractional reserve banking, uh, back into the bottle, if if they don't yeah. absolutely have to. If yeah, you know, yeah. The, oh, only only uh, the threatening of of everything that they've come to to believe in and build their society on. They they being the uh, the economic infrastructure uh, would yeah. would put them into that position. And there are really no politicians or very few politicians who who want to touch this stuff right now. Yeah. Well, um, and, and not, I mean, for either party, economists don't become politicians. And I don't know what that says, but I feel like there's something to be the, to be to be gleaned. Well, some there. of them. Some of them do. Uh, but yeah, uh, not so much in the United States. Actually, I, I, I think that's more like in, in other countries. You have economists as politicians. Um, well, I, so, certainly as technocrats, but but I feel yeah. like as politicians, less so. Yeah, yeah. Well, why is it it's 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 blanking on my mind, but I feel like there are certain like African leaders who are economists and um well, that may be the case. I think, well, I, I I think I was watching The Crown. I think one of the one of the British prime ministers was an economist. I think Howard Howard Wilson Howard Wilson, I don't think I'm saying that right. Some guy from the 70s. I I would believe that because I have a uh completely based on on anecdotal evidence impression that uh like Oxford and Cambridge output some sort of disproportionate number of economists uh, to what a a standard American university might do. Um, that that may be completely uh, faulty uh, uh, conclusion to draw there, but but it's it's something that I I, I would rank as believable. Wait, what was the conclusion? That I, I feel like Oxford and Cambridge uh, in in the UK they they output a a much higher percentage of economists than. Uh, a American university of equal caliber. So, so there's oh, probably a, a lot more of them in, in Europe than, than there are in the U S and, and at that, that kind of upper tier of education, which tends to gotcha. feed into, uh, the, the well, I, people in government at that level. Right. And, and people in government, right. When I went to Yale, there were a lot of econ majors, but they weren't going into, they weren't the people going into government. Right. Well, and, and, they were and I would say the that, people you going know, finance. if, if you were from a, a, a family that was connected and or wealthy in, uh, Africa or certain parts of Asia, uh, that's where you went to school. So, so right. you, you got pumped into that system. Um, don't, yeah, I don't know how true that sense. actually ever was and how true it is today, but it's certainly the impression that I'm carrying around in my head. Uh, yeah, me, me too. Um, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, um, it's, uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, it's pretty true. I mean, one of the things you realize, like, like you know, because I went to Yale, and one of the things you realize is you can be very successful with that education, but a lot of it is the sum of the people there. I mean, well, okay, I don't want to be like, um, I, I, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to say that. It's not I, all networking, I'm, but it's not not all networking. No, no, I'm not even going to say that. Some of it is just the connections, the family connections and the wealth that people who are there already have. And so if you don't have that, you know, you you could still make a, a, a get huge benefit from that education, although people are going to, you know, argue with me then. But I know I did. But it was like, OK, you know, some of the people there were already set up with, hey, you know, if I want to start a business, their family can lend them half a million dollars and they've got, you know, all the connections. And yeah, well, it's, um, it's the it doesn't uh... mean. The, you know, the expression of starting on third base and a lot of the politicians especially yeah a lot of the politicians especially uh well yeah and not you know it's it's not that yeah, well because l- ladder climbing is an intergenerational uh, endeavor that that yeah. rarely do you you go from the bottom to the top in a single single lifetime yeah okay so anyway but that's not <laughs> that's not related completely to, off topic yeah that's a little off topic <laughs> uh <laughs> so so bitcoin right so, right. Okay. I just want to remind people about how fast this thing's moved. I don't think it's going to take 40 years. Um, if you remember back to 2013, 2014, I mean, some people have asked me more recently, like, Max, you knew about Bitcoin back then. Why didn't you tell me to invest? <laughs> and the answer is, well, I kind of did tell people to, but I didn't push it that hard because a lot of my Facebook friends and people in the media were telling me, like, you know, it's a scam and it's evil and this is going to be one of those things that um you know you you just you're going to realize how stupid you are later and like it was kind of getting to me a little bit i didn't believe it but i was like ooh i'm not going to be that guy who pushes everyone just to make sure and in fact <laughs> i even apply that to myself like i didn't overinvest it you know so it's like i probably should have but uh whatever so uh so it it, it it is kind of um it, it it has come so far in just a few short years and it shows no sign of stopping. And so what you know, at some point there are going to be political and economic earthquakes if this thing has I don't know, uh well what's the market cap now? Um let me just check it real quick just for, for comparison's sake. So the market cap right now... So, so market cap is, is going to be the dollar equivalent of the, the current right. holdings. Does this account right. for, for lost and, and abandoned Bitcoin? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it, it might actually be... Um, well, it's hard to say. So it's, it's a very... It, it's more of an order of magnitude measure. Gotcha. But um, let's say right now it's uh, $700 billion. So... You know, it'll clearly be a trillion dollars. What happens if it's ten trillion? You know, what happens if it's a hundred trillion? Then, then you start getting into, you know, okay, um, all of the, you know, like it, in, in everyone's funds are, in, are invested in this thing, and then you start having, uh, you know, uh, 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 governments being invested in this thing as holdings, just like they hold gold. And in fact, I believe that. We're actually pretty close to having some local governments and municipalities in the United States try this out. And I think that there's a good reason for it. So there's one article I want to call attention to. Um, it's uh, the Mi- Miami mayor say, says that city employees should be able to take their salaries in Bitcoin. That's Miami. That is a big city. and It's a city that's doing well right now. And it's a city that wants to become the next tech hub. Honestly, um, I think I could live in Miami. What do you think? <laughs> I don't think that would be that bad. I, I can't say that I've spent much time there. But the, so the, the, the big question that pops to mind, and maybe the article addresses this, uh, does that mean that they get their salary set in Bitcoin or their salary is set in dollars, no. but at the time of payment, uh, it, is, uh, it is converted to Bitcoin? It, it's the time in payment for sure. I, I already know that. I don't even have to look at the article <laughs> because they wouldn't do that with, you know, um, well, you you can you can certainly negotiate that. I I think a lot of uh, a lot of freelancers have experimented with that type of thing. Um, yeah. P- particularly if you're freelancing uh, internationally, you can. Yeah, but go- government is government. Let's y- not yeah. push it that far. Uh, <laughs> so. Um, well, and 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 government. Well, 
you know, kind of came up with the original concept of I'm going to give you this this piece of paper that I say is worth something, but it's only actually worth what I'm willing to to redeem it for at a later date so I can change my mind. Right, right. So um, there have been companies that have invested in, in Bitcoin. I'm just going to give, uh, you know, well, the, the, the big one right now is MicroStrategy. Um, but, you know, there's some rumors maybe Elon Musk might do it. And so, uh, you know, sometimes instead of holding cash, they might hold Bitcoin. People, you know, just a few years ago would, would have said, that's insane. You know, this company should not be investing in Bitcoin. They should have their cash in dollars because their investors don't want to invest in Bitcoin. But now, uh, you know, people are changing their mind. And I even think a city like Miami might try to do it. And I think some states might try to do it. And you know what I think might be a catalyst for this is if the... Uh, you know, during the pandemic, some places locked down really hard and, uh, you know, destroyed all their businesses with the hopes that, hey, we're going to get a federal bailout later. And, you know, now it looks like those bailouts might come. And I feel like some of the places that stayed open, like Miami, like Florida, might say, you know what, if you're going to give all of our dollars to uh, states that, um, you know, uh, didn't let their businesses operate. Well, maybe we'll just, uh, invest in Bitcoin and, you know, let Bitcoin rise in relation to the dollar. I, I think there might be appetite for a, uh, a revolt of, of that nature on the local level, which, um, honestly would be a lot more effective than any of the- I'm very curious what the mechanism there would be for, for- because the, the the way you phrase it, it sounds like almost trying to protect themselves from uh, the abuse of the the federal government. But but what about Bitcoin lets them do that? So, no, uh, the federal government will still collect income taxes and whatnot from that state. Like it's not, you know, they're not protecting their assets or their people's assets from the federal government. But what they are doing is they are saying, hey, the federal government is 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 doing these bailouts on credit, right? It's, it's, it's going to be all credit. It's all going to be, let's print a trillion dollars. Let's print another trillion dollars. And, um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll deal with it. Our monetary system can handle it presumably. And, uh, we'll just pass these dollars out to the, uh, areas that need it. Yeah. Okay, fine. If states maintained uh, a large treasury, I could see that being a valid, uh, path. But my impression is that most, most states have, uh, a, a small to medium rainy day fund, and other than that, it's money in, money out, uh, that, that they struggle to keep a balanced budget, never mind to accumulate a long-term surplus. Uh, where yeah, where well, that would be the exception, to... though, is, uh, is pensions. And, and maybe yeah. that's not so much the state, but uh, public sector unions tend to be uh, some of the biggest co- uh, you know, groups that still actually have pensions, Man. and that's a lot of <laughs> that money would be... to throw around. Yeah, that would be the ultimate Hail Mary pass. Like, our pensions are... Uh, you know, uh, the, a lot of times the the pensions are not. Um, you can't. Uh, uh, what does it mean? Like, like, the, like, like the, the, we don't have enough to pay for the fen- for the pension fund. The, the pension fund is not solvent. All right, let's put it all in Bitcoin and see if we can <laughs> we can well, save. But this. the the that purpose like of the a, pension, right, is is to uh, to to beat inflation. Uh, right. So that and and if they're concerned about uh, you know money printer go burr, uh, that that there's going to be huge. Uh, you know, modern monetary theory and and inflationary, uh, you know, quantitative easing or whatnot, then that may be a, an excellent way to hedge that for uh, for the pensions. Right, right. No, but and 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 we'll be uh, and and if if they make the move, if the big institutional pensions go into that, then I think it won't be too long after that. Then you start seeing, uh, maybe not you know individual retail level, but uh, you may see like you know a, a fidelity or. Um, I'm I'm blanking on some of the other big uh, 401k managing companies. Uh, you know, having essentially the equivalent of like a mutual fund or a targeted retirement fund that has a huge chunk of Bitcoin in it. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. That's probably going to happen sooner. Because yeah, um, I, I don't I do know about think... you, but I've never worked anywhere that's actually had a pension program. So yeah, well, 401k. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so I I do think though you talk about these rainy day funds and you talk about you know. Uh, holdings that these states have. I think some states are going to decide, yeah, let's have some holdings in, in Bitcoin or, or you know, uh, some, some city funds because they have something there. And they're like, hey, you know what? Let's, um, 
let's let's it's the thought of a state or a city betting against the dollar would have been crazy i think just a few years ago now it seems almost within the um overton window because people are so fed up and just buying bitcoin doesn't seem that radical it seems like a rather peaceful way of going about things uh so um that could be interesting and i actually think that if it starts to harm the dollar that is when maybe politicians on the federal level might step up and it might force their hands to do something about it um or they might screw it all up it's it's we don't know <laughs> so uh, i i was this could come to a head at some point we we were talking about institutional investors and oh, by the way the, before you get into that the, the the term is called hyper bitcoinization it's the idea that um Everything gets turned over mm. to this one asset, which is the hardest asset. Again, I don't want to be uh, say it's definitely going to happen, but it's very interesting. Think about it. And the idea of, of people who support this theory is like, yeah, it's going to happen very fast and it's going to happen, you know, somewhere around 2025 to yeah, 2029. Yeah, I, I don't know that we, we are headed to a future where everything is done in Bitcoin, but I could easily see a future where... Uh, Bitcoin functionally replaces the dollar as the reserve currency of the world. That that hmm. not everything is done in Bitcoin, but everything is benchmarked to Bitcoin. Um, yeah. So yeah, that uh, that and what does that mean for us in the U.S. Uh, like functionally? Well, uh, that that is perhaps a, a better alternative. If 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 you accept the uh, the forecast that many people are making that we're 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 going to lose reserve currency status here in the U.S. That that the dollar is is on an inevitable downslope, and it's just a question of how long. Uh, then perhaps Bitcoin uh, stepping into that role or, or some other form of crypto is a superior option uh, for us as as Americans than uh, than China uh, or or some other nation stepping up right. and taking that role. Oh, yeah. Much better. Like, would you rather be governed by China or Russia or, um, you know, or, or by, you know, uh, math, essentially? But <laughs> the question is. You know, what, what What does that mean for us economically? Because I'm not really sure. Like, does that mean that we have, uh, you know, I, I'm still uncertain, like, whether that means we have uh, unemployment, jobs leaving the country, at least in the short term, um, or not. Um, it's it's sort of, it, it, it's definitely going to be a shock if it happens, an economic shock. And that always includes some economic pain for a lot of people. It might not be economic pain for me or you, um, particularly if I successfully, as I do the research on this program, kind of anticipate where we're going. It could mean, uh, it could mean very good things for me and for the listeners of this show. But, uh, you know, for, for people in this country in general, it could mean a lot of people are going to get hurt when um, things aren't done the way they're used to. Uh, but, uh, you know, not too many have hold all their savings in dollars anymore, so I'm I'm not so sure. Yeah, well, and and so we were talking about uh, pensions and and uh, big institutional investors and how maybe some states have these large rainy day funds, but so, but many don't necessarily have those those kind of large holdings. Uh, but you know who does have uh, large rainy day funds or or large endowments? Uh, Ivy League universities. So uh, while we were talking, I I went and checked, uh, and there's actually an article from. Uh, the end of January, uh, indicating that Harvard, Yale, uh, and Brown, among other Ivy League universities, uh, have been uh, buying up Bitcoin as part of their endowment for for uh, over over a year at this point. You know, not not just getting donated Bitcoin by the occasional alumni, but but literally uh, buying through uh, public exchanges. So if if they're starting to move in that direction, then that's a huge vote of confidence in in this as uh, as a reasonable hedge against wherever the economy is going because they don't they don't screw so around with amazing, billion dollar though. endowments i don't want to i can't emphasize enough just a few years ago this was like mount gox exploded you know this is it you know uh, bitcoin is made to be stolen and made to be a scam which of course it isn't it's just hey could it have been any other way if bitcoin was introduced in the market and then the f the first few things that popped up were scams like w w when there hasn't been you know 
uh, you know, when there hasn't been like market pressure against yeah, that. Yeah, if if, if uh, one of the uh, if one of the trustees of of the uh, the the Harvard Endowment came into a, a a board meeting and suggested, you know, we should really put some of our funds into Bitcoin at that point, they they would have uh, they would have submitted him for for you know mental review to yeah, send him off to the psych inter- hospital. It was magic internet money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I remember people like using the, the way I think about it, like. Imagine if you're living in a world um, where Bitcoin is already taken over, for, uh, for lack of a better term, and you read the history of, of how it started. The history would not say, oh, yeah, it was introduced and it just kept uh, going and going without any problems until it took over. It's like, no, like there are growing pains. And so I suspected at the time that Mt. Gox exploded. Uh, you know, I was looking at it and uh, people were like, yep. Uh, this is the end. This is the end of everything. And I was like, well, wait, let's see. Let's see if this, this coin survives because then there'll be another crop of, uh, you know, Bitcoin companies and then some of them will go out of business and there's still scams and there's still scams around it even today. Um, well, uh, there always will be, but as the, um, organizations that, that do it get bigger and bigger and more reliant on brands then um, and more and more like, you know, uh, dare I say regulated, I hate this term, but like, <laughs> I mean, like, you know, someone being like, hey, I am operating under the laws of the United States and, um, you know, I'm here and there's really, the, like, there's really very little I can do to kind of just steal your stuff. It's, it's, it, it, I've, I've done X, Y, and Z to basically make it impossible or extremely unlikely, you know? So it's, um, it's, it's crazy how fast these things moved and it's amazing the number of people uh, just a few years ago, who uh, saw these these bl- initial blowups and used that as an excuse to say it's all dead. Um, and and the fact that it's moving so fast is just um, it's just unbelievable, and and it seems to be moving faster and faster in 2021. Yeah, and it's it's uh, it's not unusual for uh, you know the the nerdy types to be at the cutting edge of this type of stuff. Uh, you know, most most famously, uh, Isaac Newton was uh, master of the mint for for the royal mint uh, in 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 Great Britain uh, uh, right before uh, what was it it was uh, sixteen ninety nine and around then. Um, so you know, I I don't know much about uh, what exactly he did in that role, uh, but you know, it's 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 uh, an interesting he's, tidbit he's, there. He was pocketing some money. <laughs> well, he he certainly got a nice salary off of that. Uh, yeah. But, you know, polymaths all around. <laughs> pounds for me, a pound for the economy. Pounds for me, a pound for the economy. No, I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, well, it's interesting. Well, I, I think, you know, mathematicians back then, even theoretical mathematicians, were probably a lot more um, likely to get their hands dirty with that kind of thing, just accounting, because that would have been probably a much bigger deal back then for someone to even be able to do accounting. Maybe not by by 1699, but certainly in the Middle Ages. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I don't know. My, my history is a little weird on that. Well, so, 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 so how do we tie this into uh, the other major story of the last two weeks? Uh, which is GameStop. Yes. Let's, so I don't I, – so some people are saying it ties in. Let's talk about it and see if it does tie in. I'm not so sure. Uh, first – I guess I should summarize GameStop. Either I feel like I've listened to. If, if you're like first 10... hearing about it here, then then I don't know where you've been. But but yeah, give 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 the the Cliff Notes version. <laughs> right, right, okay. So, and well, you know, we don't know. You know, I I feel like I've listened to ten podcasts on GameStop already, and um, you know, I everyone's talking about. It, so I feel like everyone knows. But uh, so anyway. Uh, a bunch. So GameStop is a uh, GameStop is a video game company. They are the blockbuster you, of video games. Yes, you might find their stores at the mall. Although they're not like blockbuster in that they're still around. Ba- although barely. it kind of feels feels like they're out of the '90s, right? It feels like it's um, it feels like something like that. So um, they're a publicly traded company, and they are heavily shorted by hedge funds. Uh, shorting means that they're betting the stock that is going to go down. Uh, they're borrowing the stock in hopes that the stock goes down. So then when they buy it back later to return the stock, um, they'll buy it back at a lower price. And some people on Reddit, Wall Street Bets, um, which has, uh, which is one of the, it's a pretty big subreddit. It's got a lot of people in there. 
someone uh, discovered that uh, it is very heavily shorted. In fact, uh, the, the short positions taken out on GameStop are more than the entire value of the company. Um, which just means have very heavily shorted. That actually confused me at first. Did, did that confuse you at first when they said? Because I, I don't have yeah, you heard it, that they, it, they were. Sh- it, I I saw the one hundred thirty eight percent thrown number thrown around, which which seemed right. wrong at first. Um, but and 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 it is it's certainly a red flag. Uh, I've 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 heard that anything over like twenty percent of of the value of the company being shorted is is unusually high. Um, right. But but it's not impossible because when you when you borrow that right. share to short it and you know it you borrow it to sell and then whoever you sold it to could then lend it out to somebody else so the same share can be shorted multiple times right right so some people have come out and said oh if they're shorted 138% or whatever that is then they'll never be able to to um to give back the shares but that's not entirely true right because like and, could, and not all of those shorts back, come due at the same time yeah. right you could give back one share and then buy it back later and then give it back again, but it is still uh, it is still pretty crazy that you could be shorted that much, and so the people on uh, Wall Street bets whether it's uh, it was to make money or to um, or to stick to the hedge funds I guess we're like let's all invest in it, this. It can be two things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's all invest in this. Let's drive the price up and let's drive them out of business. And it cost them, I think, on the order of like $50 billion or something crazy like that uh, because the price of GameStop just had like a short squeeze where demand for the stock, the supply was so low and the demand went so high and there were so many GameStop hodlers being like, I'm going to buy a bunch of GameStop and I won't sell no matter what, that the price just went from something like 18 at the beginning of the year and actually it was only $5 um, you know, in, in in the middle of 2020. So this kind of was a slow rolling thing. Uh, people were starting to notice it um, in the summer of last year, but but nobody really knew. So it went five to 18 last year. Then it went to 18 to like 450, and now it's fluctuating very, very much up and down and up and down. Right. It, 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 GameStop, the fundamentals are clearly not worth that much, but it's <laughs> it's really, really, uh, it's, it's, it's really, really, uh, you know, it, causing some of these uh, hedge funds. Yeah, like, um, ignoring for a moment the you know, 138% uh, shorting yeah. of, of the stock um, or, or whatever that number turned out to actually be. Uh, it, the fundamentals, uh, it made sense to short um, that, that there, there was a, a turnaround effort underway, but it, it seemed likely that uh, it, it was it was a, a reasonable bet to be making that, that it was overvalued where it was. Um, but, right. Although there's but, a but fundamentals much... uh, are, are a, a long term indicator, not a short term indicator, as as we've seen in the last two weeks. Right. Right. Um, so I think Melvin Capital was the um, uh, was was the name of the hedge fund. Um, they're real people. They have names. Uh, there are people who work there. I once got a uh, a uh, job offer at a hedge fund. I didn't end up taking it. Um, but I guess I wouldn't have been invested in the hedge fund. I would have just been doing statistical models for them. Although I'm sure my bonus would have been uh, based on the amount they made. But um, it actually, we're you know, so uh, uh, th- there's this hedge fund uh, point seventy two, which is invested in Melvin Capital, and, and you know, they they probably lost a bunch on this, but I heard they raised more. It's such an enormous hedge fund that it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't register for them, probably. <laughs> well, it registers, but it doesn't uh, doesn't kill them off for sure. Um, you know, this whole thing reminds me of, uh, you know, there, there's a question of what the meaning of this is. I think that there's a lot of people who ascribe meaning to this event. Like, is it is it the is it the the revolt of the the, the little guys taking down the big hedge funds once and for all? Well. You know, there are examples of just crazy things that happen in the financial markets from time to time. Uh, Nassim Taleb talks about them. They're called black swans. I mean, black swans more is broader than that, but he noticed them certainly in financial markets. Um, it kind of reminded me of uh, a, a company called Long-Term Capital Management. Have you ever heard of that one? No, I'm not familiar with them. Okay, so there's a book on it. It's called uh, When Genius Failed. Uh, the rise and fall of long-term capital management. I read that a couple of years ago, and you know, 
Yeah, they're one of the funds that really screwed up. Uh, I think they had like $4 billion and they were leveraged $125 billion or something like that. And they used all these mathematical models. And I think, to make a long story short, they uh, assumed some things were, some variables were independent when they were not. Mm. So they thought that something had a one in quadrillion chance when really it had a, it had a, it had a much better, higher chance of happening. And, yeah, well, I mean, uh, fu- fundamentally, uh, the the idea of a hedge fund is that they're supposed to be hedged in each direction. But yeah, that's where the names comes from. But but, but uh, the more you the more you chase the big gains, the the faster and looser you play with with you know covering yourself with hedges. And and clearly, these guys uh, did not cover their full downside at Melvin. Yeah, at Melvin or at, or at uh, long term capital management, right. uh, in, which was in 1997. So again, if this could happen in 1997, uh, again though. What was going on in 1997? We were also in the middle of a little bit of a financial bubble in 97, right? And then one of the shocks came of the, the Asian financial crisis, which, um, which is what, what led to their fall. One of my takeaways from the books, I don't remember from the book, I don't remember all the specifics there, but it's not like all of the hedge funds are in it together and they, they're like, help a buddy out. No, certainly not. If yeah. some of, no, if some of the funds sees that one struggling, they will. They will go after it like sharks. Yeah, they will blood pick in the water, apart. for sure. Yeah, so it's not just the the little guys that will go after yeah, you. Which, um, which makes it surprising that uh, that Melvin basically got bailed, bailed out by a bigger fund. But but I'm, I'm sure that that bigger fund is extracting their pound of flesh for doing oh, so. Oh, yeah, that, that's what they do, yeah. Um, and, and I'm surprised that other funds didn't see, you know, the, the things that people saw in Wall Street bets. I'm surprised that, uh, someone at another uh, fund or, or a trader or something, or I guess they are traders, but, you know, it's, uh, something, you know, it, yeah, it why, could Why have, wasn't it, another big fund doing the, the short squeeze play here? Yeah, they could have easily done it. Um, I, I, I mean, I guess, you know, there are lots of, there are lots of quirks and opportunities out there. And the fact that some people on Wall Street Bets saw it, like, I think, well, that's, uh, that's really clever, you know? Um, so it, it really takes someone who's, um, looking hard, uh, yeah, for, I, for, for I, I'm hesitant to, to refer to, so on the one hand, I don't think this is an event that's going to, you know, drastically change the financial markets for forever. Uh, I, I think we'll see some things shift around, but it's this, this isn't, uh, I wouldn't say that this is a major turning point. Um, no, and, and part I, of that is say, because, uh, um, unless, unless you work in this specific narrow sector of, of the market, uh, the the media coverage that this has gotten is vastly blo- blown out of proportion to how much most Wall Street people care about what happened. Uh, that 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 this this you know this this know. happened in a yeah. very narrow space of the markets and and you know it, it certainly had a big impact on some people, but but most funds were were pretty much uh, untouched by this in a meaningful way. Yeah, but it still is big news, and it still is uh, you know I I think. It could be in indicative of a little of like financial bubble conditions, just like long term capital management was in kind of a bubble market. We could be in a little bit of a again, I'm not I'm not like an expert on these things. So I, I, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to go too far out of my lane. But, uh, you know, <laughs> could we be in some kind of a monetary bubble because, you know, we have covid and. You know, we have all of this stimulus printing and we have years and years of low interest rates. And, you know, um, the the conditions of the market. Now, again, could this happen in normal conditions of the market? Maybe it could. But I feel like it, it's more likely when uh, some things in the big picture are out of whack. Yeah, if I, that makes sense. I, I don't know enough to, to make the determination. Is this a sign of of there were major flaws in the market or is this just the market working as it should uh where this this group identified an inefficiency in the market they exploited it and now the they're they're returning the market back to its its natural equilibrium uh, as a result of that having having fixed the uh the the inaccurate pricing yeah yeah, uh, I eventually could. I mean, some people I mean, have said. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that that GameStop has not settled back to its true value. Uh, but, but I think it will oh, no, eventually. No, no. <laughs> it, it needs. It has it, to. It needs you know, a, a couple of weeks or months to to get back to that. But, uh, but it will. I'm, I'm fairly confident. Here's an easy question. You know, what do you do if you are, um, you know, 
the the leadership of one of these companies. Like you got in, you're the CEO of GameStop, and you're like, I don't know if the the management team at GameStop actually cares about video games, but they might. Um, you know, so they're like they're gaming people, and they're business people, but. They don't. They're like, what we, 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 they didn't teach this in business school. <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna do. Yeah, well, I mean, um, this this is this is one of the dangers of being a publicly traded company is that things things can happen uh, that are that are not directly under your control that throw every everything out of out of whack, out of perspective. Yeah. So I suggested that, um, and and I found out that this is like really hard to do, probably almost impossible to do. But I was like, well, why don't they get together and say we're gonna issue new shares of GameStop? Uh, you know, if, if, apparently that takes a lot longer. You can't just like do it on a whim. Yeah, that that would but, be my assumption. But but again, way yeah. outside my area of expertise. There. But but if you could, they should just issue shares of GameStop. Uh, you know, raise money for the company, put it in Bitcoin. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then when the share and then when the stock price goes down, uh, buy it back up, and then it you know it ends up higher than it otherwise would have and then you'd be acting in the interest of the shareholders that whole time um but uh yeah uncharted territory for sure yeah yeah some other stocks is happening i I don't know yet i heard like amc the movie theater Yep, there were some bumps there there were some bumps there and that could that could stop amc from going out of business they they were close to going into business from the pandemic uh maybe now they'll survive so that's interesting um yeah so uh, again, this could be a symptom of the easy money economy that we have had for a long time. Some people say like, hey, uh, does this mean like a radical shift in the market towards decentralization and away from big funds? I think that sounds too good to be true. I think we'll always be big <laughs> funds. But, you know, maybe the little guy will have um, more, oppor- maybe maybe there's more opportunities for uh, a smaller player to get in there and gum up the works, uh, especially with you know, I mean, the use of an internet forum that doesn't seem very, that doesn't seem very, uh, like, that technology doesn't seem particularly new. You know what I mean? It, like, why couldn't you do this five, but, ten years ago? But the ability to coordinate the uh, the actions of literally millions of people uh, virtually in real time, uh, you know, that... We had that even, five, even though internet forums were around, you know, back in the days of BBS, uh, it, it couldn't be mobilized in the way that it can now. Right, right. I guess, I guess, and, it, and then it, maybe in the last ten years. Then or I, so, I, though, I, but... I think the numbers were something like Wall Street Bets had had you know four million members, you know, back back before this hit the the front page of 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 the newspapers in, okay. in January. But, but let me ask you this but, then: Why not five years ago? Well, there, I think there are two pieces there. One, one is the Robinhood app, uh, which which made for oh, yeah. for an easy point of entry for a lot of people. And I was going to say it's it's not just the four million people that were in there at the beginning of January. It's the uh, probably millions more who saw the story, whether they heard about it, you know, through the grapevine or through Reddit, or when it, you know, people on on NPR and uh, and the New York Times started talking about it. Uh, but it was easy enough for them to jump on the bandwagon before it was over. Um, and and you know the whole the whole concept of a meme stock is is a lot more more movable. You know, doing doing a pump and dump through your newsletter uh, is a lot harder to to scale to this level than uh, than when you can not only use you know Reddit and Twitter, but also they they essentially weaponize the media here because uh, that that drove the message even further and and got more people to jump in on it. I mean. <laughs> weaponizing the media and making them a useful idiot to your plans is uh is sort of uh something that we've seen a lot of i mean if they're going to be a a force for destruction uh at least i'd like to be able to point them in a direction i'd like (laughs) yeah so speaking of meme stock you know there's a meme coin too dogecoin oh dogecoin is is like one of the the og coins it goes way back yeah, so it's it's. I used to mine it, and I think I I lost the the ones that I mined, uh, but uh, or maybe I didn't. But um, anyway, I think I only mined a handful. So, it, like people are like, it might go to a dollar, whereas, <laughs> you know, that's not going to be. Uh, unfortunately, that's not going to uh, pay the bills for me, um, especially with the know, dollar uh, decreasing in value. Yeah, well, yes. If I if I I think I mined three Dogecoin. No, I think I mined a fraction of a Dogecoin. 
So if Dogecoin goes to, um, you know, $100,000, let me know. I'll go to the dump and try to <laughs> get my... No, well, no, I might have... I, I What I would have to do is go through all my hard drives or whatever. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> but um, uh, the, the, that's been having a little bit... So that was a meme coin back in like 2014, maybe. And it was like the number three coin at some point. And it's not really... It's not hard money like Bitcoin because the, the schedule is they just they issue a lot of it you know so it's like there's always going to be more made it's not very it's it's it keeps you know the, the the supply is not very limited so that sort of limits how high the price could go but it's the quintessential meme coin and it went it, it did shoot up uh you know uh through all this like collective action on reddit and stuff recently and then elon musk tweeted about it because he <laughs> likes to you know make these things happen and uh, and you got a big Dogecoin bump, so these things are uh, are happening all over the place. It's uh, interesting times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's the uh, I I think that is the the theme of the episode. Interesting times. Um, I don't know what to call this episode. I'm still kind of uh, up in the air about it, uh, but uh, I guess we'll figure it out <laughs> offline. Um, any ideas? <laughs> what, what, what's the uh, what's the over overriding theme of this episode? Oh, overriding theme. Uh, yeah. Where are we going? Nobody knows. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I, I. I almost well. I've, I'm trying to think of something uh, a little bit more certain than that <laughs> nothing certain but uncertainty no we'll figure it out all right yeah so um bottom line is if i had to summarize uh yeah the changes to our financial and economic system are there is a tsunami on the horizon and we see it coming closer and closer to our shore and we have some um you know we're experiencing some big waves first and we're like, was that the tsunami? And no, it's like the small tsunami and the bigger one is still out there. Whoa. So that's going to crash in a few years and uh, we will be along for the ride. If I could use that, uh, if that, uh, if that metaphor has, has landed properly. Well, now I am well and truly terrified. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, next week on the local maximum, we're going to talk about, uh, a big change in my life. So get ready for that. All right. Any last thoughts, Aaron? Uh, no, I'm, I'm just I'm just worried about this uh, Bitcoin tsunami that's coming. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Get your I don't know how you prepare for it, a, but a Bitcoin uh, umbrella. Get, <laughs> Bitcoin umbrella with all your uh, with all your funds. All right. Uh, we'll uh, we'll call it a day and uh, have a great week, everyone. That's the show. To support The Local Maximum, sign up for exclusive content and our online community at Maximum.Locals.com. The Local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at LocalMaxRadio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to LocalMaxRadio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power.